This is USA Takedown, the best guests, all the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. It's a big program. And before we get into who's on the show, I got to ask Kira. Kira, did you notice that in the press releases now, on the social media posts, etc., you are part of the cast? Did you notice that? Your name, correctly spelled, I might add. Oh. Yeah, so it goes Scott Casper, <laughs> Michael Harvey, and the great Kira Jones. Oh, well, I'm honored. Yeah, I figured you might sure. be. <laughs> After 30 years, you, yeah, I mean, you're part of the family. All right. Aww. Hey, welcome, everybody. It is Friday. We talk wrestling here on ESPN Radio. And um, we're talking wrestling with some of the best of the best. It's kind of a neat show because we're going to dance around the country a bit. We'll talk with Gary Abbott about his induction at the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Also, get his take on uh, some important competition and results from the Pan Ams, etc. We'll be talking with Gary Abbott. He's the Abbott of Wrestling out of USA Wrestling, the national governing body of our sport. We'll talk with Sage Karam. Sage Karam on the Defense Hope Newsmaker Hotline uh, finished, excuse me, he started in last place in the Indy 500. He's out of Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and this young man has been classically trained. When I say that, Michael Andretti and uh, uh, his father, Mario, etc., Everybody had a hand in making this young man who he is. Well, what made him competitive was the sport of wrestling. His father's as Jody and uh, Sage, by the way, finished in seventh. So moving up from, I think, 34th place all the way up to seventh with all the small, minute adjustments that need to take place on a racetrack during a race and the setup to be able to compete for a nice finish. Well, seventh place is a million-dollar bonus. Let me tell you something. That is huge. And he's a great guy. He's been on the show before, but he's never finished better than 20th at the Indy 500. So think about it. That's massive improvement. If he can finish in seventh, starting in 34th, and I believe it's 34th, um, if he can finish in seventh, what will he look like next year? You know, that to me... Sounds like first place to me. Right. <laughs> and he values wrestling and his history with our sport, his workouts, his competition, his uh, preparedness. And so high that uh, is the kind of guy that you want to be behind because he doesn't forget where he came from. Okay. We'll talk with Peter Cimarroni, the founder of the Blood Time podcast. And uh, Peter, first of all, well-connected, great wrestler in his own right back in the day. But uh, he'll be joining us to talk a little bit about the podcast, and so much more. Uh, we'll talk with Kevin Dresser, uh, the head coach of Iowa State, uh, about the new and in incoming class for the Cyclones, and as they continue to take one step, two steps, three steps each year to get better, 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 back in the top ten, back in the top five, that type of thing. So we'll have uh, Peter Cimarroni, Sage Karam, Kevin Dresser. But we start the show with a, a program that has been around for quite some time. He's the head coach of the VMI Cadets. He's Jim Gibson. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? Good, man. I'm not sure how many coaches were there in front of you. Uh, many of them stayed for quite a while. But uh, the program has a great history, does it not? I've had wrestling at VMI since, you know, the 1920s. Wow. And there's been, um, you know, over, over 100 individual SOCON champs. 
um, you know, a handful of All-Americans. So the tradition and history of wrestling at VMI is, uh, is strong. You know, VMI has uh, Virginia Military Institute, right? Correct. Okay. And you've got 16 freshmen set to join the team in the fall. Coach, that's a big recruiting class. Yeah, it is. So that's something we focused on. You know, when I got here was, you know, kind of rebranding our recruit a little bit and trying to broaden, um, you know, outside of the state of Virginia. Right. Trying to get into some of the hotbeds of wrestling in the country. You know, the Northeast, Pennsylvania, where I'm originally. Um, we've we've expanded into California a little bit, New Jersey. So uh, we've been able to accomplish that, and we're really looking forward to these these young men coming in here this fall. 16 freshmen to help round out the uh, already talented group of young men there, all dedicated to the task, not just wrestling, but great academic. Am I very difficult academically speaking? Uh, and it's not cheap to go to school there, even with... Um, uh, what do you call it? Even with the financial aid, okay, about twenty Correct. grand a year, right? It is. So in state, we're probably just under thirty, and then out of state, um, you know, we're probably in the high fifties. Wow. So there's a big jump, um, you know, between that in state, out of state tuition, you know, room board fees. But what an honor it is to wrestle for VMI. I think that's uh, I think that's the real story here, Coach. Let's talk about it. You said you venture into California. Well, you did just that, going to Oakdale High School in Oakdale, California. You, had, you picked up Brandon. Is it Abel? Yeah, correct. Braden. Braden Abel. Braden Abel. And think about that. 117 and 23 in a uh, one-division class in the state of California. That says... Yeah, we're excited about that young man. I think... Um, you know, he's someone that uh, can step in right away for us and, you know, make a significant impact in, in the lower weight classes, and which is an area we, we've needed some depth and, and some product. Um, he's a guy that we're excited about, and he's going to be making making a trip out here soon to do uh, some summer school and um, get get on post a little sooner. So we're, we're excited about it. Get on post, in other words, on campus. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes, you sir. guys have a whole lot of different terms. Uh, it's like the Citadel, same thing, right? I mean, you guys have that same uh, type of vocabulary. Um, Absolutely. That was a big adjustment for me, um, you know, coming from Bucknell University, a more right. traditional type school, you know, to a place like VMI was just trying to learn all the different lingo and acronyms and everything that they use here. Which is where you and I first met each other was at Bucknell. Danny Wernsberger's still there and, and doing a remarkable job with not only teams but facilities as well. But part of that success came from, no doubt, hard work by you as well. So a continued success. Now you transfer over to a program that is all your own. That's a big job. It is. It is. But, you know, you know what you want to do when you get into this business, right? Eventually, when you feel like you're ready as an individual is, you know, take that next step and take that take on the responsibility of, you know, running a program and, and having everything fall on you. I think that's, um, you know, that's something that I was looking for was, um, you know, I wanted the good and the bad of, right. you know, that respect. You know, not, not all coaches are like that. Take a look at Casey Cunningham, for example, at Penn State. I think he's very happy being uh, in the shadow of Cale Sanderson. He does his job well, uh, but uh, I don't know that I've ever heard his name kicked around uh, much. I've heard it a few times, but not much when a head coaching position comes available. Obviously, credit to, of their success goes to him, uh, to uh, Kale's brother, C Cody, as well. But 
I do believe that there are some guys that are comfortable being an assistant coach for life. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. So we talked about Braden. Then there's a young man with a cool name, River Carroll out of Newport, North Carolina. Yeah. Young yeah, state um, champ, huh? He, he's, um, you know, he is someone that wanted the military type lifestyle, right? So he was a great fit for us. Um, talented young man coming out of North Carolina. He's already a state champ uh, in the process right now of going through their postseason down there. They were a little um, postponed due to due to the pandemic. So he's in the process of hopefully, you know, capturing his second state title in the state of North Carolina as an undefeated senior right now. So he's someone that really fits the all-around aspect of VMI. He's a great um, he has interest in the military. He wants to commission and make a career out of it. Love it. And then he's a high-level exceptional wrestler as well. So anytime we get an opportunity to bring someone like that into the program that truly wants the full encompassing experience of VMI, you know, it was a home run for us. Yeah, and here in that Army ROTC four-year scholarship, which is not easy to do, and uh, first of all, we congratulate him. More than that, we congratulate you for grabbing onto this kid. That's that's a, a tremendous asset. Top 10 pound-for-pound pound wrestler in the NCHSSA, SAA, pardon me, uh, and class president for two years. That tells you his uh, fellows had for him not just his ability but his interest in the Army ROTC and now, of course, for VMI. Sam Congleton, sure. Virginia. Now, that that's a natural, right? He, he, he did yeah. uh, Woodbridge High, then he went on to uh, North Virginia Community College. Why is that important? Um, you know, number one, I, anytime we get a chance to bring, you know, a high-level in-state kid into our program is good. Um, I think that helps us build our reputation um, even more than what it is in the state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that helps with fan base not being too far away. Um, because we, we did talk about that in-state, out-of-state difference in tuition. So, you know, as much as we do try to broaden our range recruiting, it's really important for us to to do some focus and try to get the best Virginia guys, you know, here at VMI. Um, you know, but that's challenging too, right? Because right. we have a lot of great institutions, especially at the Division One level within the state of Virginia. You're talking, you know, UVA, George Mason, Virginia Tech. So, I mean, we're battling with those guys to, to keep those best um, Virginia guys. And, you know, we, we had an opportunity to pick one of those up this year. Well, and what's cool is his, he had Ty Knapp in his corner at Woodbridge, and Ty's nobody to sneeze at. He's the kind of yeah. cat that will only demand the best out of you and then show you how to get there. Absolutely. Great coach. Great coach. Josh Evans, Seaford, Virginia, York High mm-hmm. School, a four-year letter winner coach and a two-year captain. I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> <laughs> you get a whole lot of captains, and I like that because these are motivated people that want to lead by example. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's a big part of the experience at VMI. Um, it's all the, the, the system here, the core of cadets, you know, is all cadet run. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a daily basis, you have the upperclassmen that are sort of in charge of molding um, the experience of, of the freshmen here. So. Um, eventually, once he gets out of that, you know, freshman year, he's going to be in charge of a of a company, um, you know, of cadets to where he's responsible for making sure that they understand our honor code. You bet. Um, you know, everything that goes along with your cadetship. So it's it's really important for us to be able to find those guys that have that leadership experience in high school, 
so that they can transition well into BMI and then expand on that leadership ability. And that honor code, and I was talking to Kara Jones, our producer, off air about the honor code that you share with the other military academies. And uh, it is so highly respected, and it's an important part of what it is you guys do uh, and what these guys espouse to. In other words, if you don't have that, the rest of the building foundation either doesn't get built or it's built poorly. I have to recognize that, and, and, and no longer do I wonder why, having been on deck in San Diego with the Marine Corps for two weeks, having been in Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, embedded uh, on different USO tours, I, I understand what it means to be uh, fully dead honest, uh, honesty, by the way, huge. I've experienced that at the Citadel. I left my keys and my wallet on the front seat and the window down. Coach said, yeah. don't worry about it. I said, how's that? Yeah. <laughs> and sure, sure enough. Sure. I mean, that's, uh, that's what, uh, I mean, that's the backbone of the foundation here, right, is, is the honor code. And, um, you know, it, it just, I can't quote it specifically because, you know, I, I'm not a cadet. Right. But, uh, I have the, the basis is, um, you know, no cadet will lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those that do. So there it is. this is a very special place when it comes to, you know, that kind of core values. And, and it can be a little funny sometimes, right? And, um, you know, we travel and things. And you know, sometimes I have to remind our guys, like, hey, you know, we're, we're not at BMI anymore. And, and you just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Your phone with things, you know, laying around. They're right. so used to that system here that it's kind of second nature to them with time allowing coach i'm going to just dance over the top of uh, many of these guys still want to give them credit is it evan glinos yes correct okay. new jersey 40 matches every year of his high school career winning those in great style doing so at 106 126 132 and then jumping all the way up to 160 goodness yeah. sakes that's a lot of growth in that senior between junior and senior year Let's talk about Max Gorley out of Gettysburg, PA. I love that area of the country. Uh, 2020 state qualifier at 84. Uh, this young man's got a lot of hope and dreams riding on his shoulders. Absolutely. He's another young man that um, you know, was a recipient of you know, an ROTC scholarship. So you know, he's uh, someone that we're excited about as well. Um, and just the fact of, of how well of a fit he is, I, that's so, mm -hmm. such an importance to us when we're going out and looking at kids is making sure that they're the right fit for BMI, right? That's only going to set them up to be successful, and it's going to help our retention um, because it's obviously, you know, a non-traditional type place here, and you have to make sure that guys understand what they're getting themselves into when they make the decision to come to BMI, and again, just like River Carroll, any chance we get to bring a guy in that fits the all-encompassing mold, yep. um, we got to be all over it. Luke Hart, Braden Holman. Uh, I do want to talk for a minute about Connor Johnson out of Carolina, Laney High School. There, a three-time conference and regional champ, and three-time state qualifier, one twenty-five and twenty-five career record before his senior season. Think about that. Before his senior season, he was at a buck and a quarter already. And that says an awful lot about where he's been, but it also tells you that, you know, senior year, as long as he's healthy, it's going to look good. Sure. You know, and that's something we look for, too, is kind of the upside of guys and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the trajectory of where they can be, find guys that we feel like their best wrestling is still ahead of them, that when they're here and they're making the right choices and living the right lifestyle, buying into our system, you know, they can really develop and, and kind of take that next step, you know, at the Division One college level. 
Zach Small out of Farmington, New Mexico, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Would you stop there on the way back from California? <laughs> yeah. I wish the whole COVID thing, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. There's a lot of these guys that we haven't even met other than just multiple, you know, zoom calls, wow. and video conferences. So, you know, we're really excited for the fall and, and the start of school more so than any other year, because, you know, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to finally, you know, see these guys face to face and shake their hand and, and really give them a, a proper welcome. Well, that's part of it. You know, everybody's had to struggle through it. The conditions have been set forth by the NCAA, the SOCON, et cetera, uh, Big Ten, Big 12. So you look at what has happened. The future does look bright because wrestling showed everybody in all sports how competition could take place in a healthy manner and with safety. So I, I think wrestling, again, leads the way. And where wrestling was once thought as as the weak sister of sports, no longer. Wrestling is leading the way academically. Wrestling is leading the way with great both male and female across the country. We just saw Shadron State added a varsity women's program. Uh, yeah. You know, we're seeing wrestling grow. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, as far as I'm concerned. Your thought? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I attribute a lot of it to our guys, right? You know, mm -hmm. at the start of our season, you know, no one really knew what to expect, right? We, we knew we were going to start. We knew we were training. Um, but once we got into it, started traveling, competing with other teams, we just didn't know how it was all going to turn out. Right. Um, you know, and, and our guidance to them was, hey, listen, this has to be, you know, a really important thing for you guys. You have to take this serious. You have to take the, you know, the mask wearing, the testing, you know, kind of trying to stay in their own little bubble. Right. And, man, they did a really, really great job. I mean, we got a full you know, a full season in, um, they did, you know, exceptional with, you know, the restrictions and the guidelines that BMI put in place. You bet. And I, I just can't credit them enough with their commitment to, you know, that process to make sure that they were able to do what they love and what they're here to do is to train and compete. You know what, Jim, it all starts with a great coach. Okay. And that my yeah. friend is how I recognize you as a great coach. I wish you the continued success. Stay in touch with me as I'll do with yeah. you. I'll look forward to having you back on the show. Great. Well, I appreciate it, Scott. VMI Cadets. Key. <laughs> VMI K-E-Y-D-E-T-S. That's easy to say, yes, isn't sir. it? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Jim, have a great rest of your day. Best of the team, okay? Thanks. I appreciate it, Scott. Take care. To Jim Gibbons, Gibson to start the program. I'm having trouble with letters, aren't I? Jim Gibson to start the show on our newsmaker hotline coming up next we'll talk to the young man with the ultimate speed at the indy 500 finishing in seventh and for those of you who wonder how close that is between seventh and first it's a split second it's amazingly close we'll be back to talk about it you're listening to usa takedown brought to you by here.com forward slash casper back after this USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Great start with Jim Gibson from BMI. We're going to uh, start. Well, I, he may be at Road America today. We'll find out. But um, he's out of Nazareth, PA. He's been on the program before. A uh, great young man, well coached by his dad and, and others. Wrestling is his foundation, but racing is his life. He joins us next time. Sage, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, you know what? 
your voice. I have not sat and watched an, an entire Indy 500 in several years. Um, you were in it, and you took great big steps every single lap. Your average lap time of what, 40.1848? Boy, that's... Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fast race this year Yeah, for everybody. It was like, I think there was only like two yellows, and, you know, they were all like kind of like pit road in any like car crashes or anything like that. I was really surprised with how fast the race was. Well, you were remarkable in climbing up from, what was your starting position? Uh, 31st. 31st. I was saying 34th. 31st. So 34th would be awful. It's out of the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That but, would not be good. Right. No, that would be awful. You'd still be in the pits going, what the heck? Anyway, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about um, your changing and driving for Dreyer Reinbold Racing. How long have you been with that team? Yes, I've been with them a long time. This was my eighth Indy 500, and it was my seventh with them. So um, I was with them for my very first 500 in 2014, and then I went to Chip Ganassi Racing for 2015, and then I've been back with Dryer and Reinbold since. You know, (laughs) I like this. As a high school senior in 2014, you chose the race over your senior prom, and your race team actually made you its prom king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a pretty easy decision. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it right? Was, it, it, was a, it was a good excuse to, to miss the prom for sure. So I had to do qualifying day on prom day um, for my first 500. So it was good. You know, I, uh, it was a memory I'll always have. And, and then, like you said, when I got out of the car and the day was over, my, my team threw a surprise kind of mini prom at the garages and uh flew my girlfriend in at the time and you know it was fun let's talk a bit about how you win an indy 500 or how you constantly get better actually you're quite young okay at at your age to have had so much success the future looks bright indeed uh, everybody has bumps um, you've had fewer than most but uh you've when you were driving IndyCar series races, okay, and, and racing, uh, I think you did 23 of those with the best mm-hmm. place to finish where? In Iowa, baby. Yeah. And so Newton, Iowa, at the racetrack there. What are, your, what are your thoughts about how you stepped up your career as you started in uh, go-karts, et cetera? I remember you were so excited when you got your first sponsor. I think it was a mattress company. Yeah. No, it's um, obviously racing's a pretty – pricey sport um so you know sponsorship is pretty huge and um obtaining it is it's not so easy you know so you know when you come up to the ranks and go-karts and stuff obviously you need to do well and win championships and show people that you're worthy of being you know in a race car um so you know i was fortunate enough to do pretty well in go-karting and you know i was able to get like uh, my first real sponsor yeah was um was uh, michael fuchs and and um he took me through a lot of the junior year, uh, junior rank formula cars, um, and got me to, to IndyCar. So, you know, without him, I don't think I would have been able to be racing. And, um, you know, it's the pressure now of having to perform and, and getting more sponsors and stuff like that stuff never ends, you know? So you just got to stay on your, stay on your game on the track, but also be on your game. So, um, it's difficult. And then especially with COVID, you know, the last couple of years, you know, it's been harder to find money. Right. Um, but, you know, we were fortunate enough to run well at Indy this year. And, 
you know, so that that hopefully will help with um, races and stuff down the road. But yeah, I mean, like you said, my best result was Iowa in 2015, and I've always run well at Iowa. I, I won there a lot with um, the junior ranks, USF 2000, Star Mazda, Indy Light. Um, so that place is, has been really well to me. So that was like definitely one of my favorite favorite tracks. You can follow Sage on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Uh, and we encourage you to do so. If you're a wrestling fan, you can embrace the guys that are what we call crossover athletes. He's not only a great athlete, but he's a good-looking guy, too. Highly marketable. Have you found that to be true? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helps. Um, you know, it, you know it, it's, it all comes down to, like, whatever company is interested in you. You know, they might be interested in different reasons. You know, I mean, like, if you're if you're a... Uh, a guy that, that has a certain look that they like for their brand. Um, you know, that could, I think everybody kind of has their niche. You just got to find it and, and, and you got to find the companies that really fit well with you and, and you fit well with them. So that's kind of the hard part is, is just getting, you know, set up with that. But yeah, like being an athlete and, you know, I did some modeling too. Um, you know, that does open some doors to different companies that like, if, you know, you're not in those realms of the world, you know, you, you might not have the opportunity to, to be in front of those, those companies. So, um, you know, definitely love that I had a big athletic background with wrestling and football, um, you know, just staying busy other than racing. But at the end of the day, it was like, you know, racing my number one, um, but I still love sports. You know, I've got it to, before we go to Kira, I have to tell you, I did some modeling as well. Popular mechanics, uh, science today, you know, many of the technical manuals, uh, most, mostly no pictures, just, just the modeling. Why do you have to laugh so quickly? I don't, that's, that's hardly fair, but, uh, but Hey, 13 motion pictures isn't bad. That's true. Okay. All right. We go back here. You've got a question for Sage. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, these other opportunities that opened up for you, other sports. Mm-hmm. You come from a wrestling family, so what was it about racing that really made you stick with it? Um, so I grew up in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, and in Nazareth, it's it's home of the Andrettis. So Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti, Marco Andretti, you know, all lived there. And um, when I was growing up, it was it was just really cool. Like it was like <laughs> we would we would go up there all the time because my dad was Michael's fitness trainer when he was racing full time. Oh, I didn't know. Um, that. So like a lot of my childhood was spent up at the Andretti house and, um, you know, as a young kid, when I was like looking around, I see a big house and nice cars and all the trophies and stuff. I was like, wow, this race car driver life seems pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I want to, maybe I can live like this one day. So I think like it started at a young age of like wanting to be like, like them, like the Andrettis, you know? And then, um, I was fortunate enough to like have their guidance right. through a lot of my career and, um, and I think like once I just kind of knew I was doing well in it and, and that I could really maybe make the next steps and, and, and really fight for making this a reality. I think that's like when I just like totally knew, like I can do this, you know, but I need to be 110% invested into this. So it was like, you know, I could have probably went and wrestled in college or something like that, but it was like, I knew if I did that, I wasn't a hundred percent into you know chasing the whole race stream and stuff like that so i you know i basically put everything else on the back burner and just was i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure i i get there and you know i got there and and just want to stay there now and and just keep going so 
yeah, I mean, the opportunities, you know, they, they don't come often to, to do more races and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, well, and if you do have the opportunity, you got to jump on it and you got to, like I said, you got to perform and you got to do well and, and show that that's where you belong. So like one race this year so far, hundred and, um, you know, they say in racing, like you're only remembered by your last performance, right. your last race. So, you know, to finish seventh, um, you know, that, I think that showed well for us and that helps, you know, like going down the road and hopefully into the off season for next, hopefully, uh, get more opportunities as much as helio castroneves uh was the victor okay if we're talking about split seconds the difference between first and seventh number one and the secret i think now correct me if i'm wrong and tell me why i'm right okay you pitted only five times over 200 laps only five times mm-hmm. there was there's some guys that had terrible trouble in the pits weren't able to make the correct adjustments, lost their engine. For whatever reason, you were able to pit five times. That tells me that you and your crew, the pit crew, the team, uh, was was hitting on all cylinders. Would you say that's true? Yeah, no, it was um, it was a good race for us. Like, I mean, it was like everything went kind of well, like right and in our way. And, um, you know, we got, we got lucky, made up some good spots in the uh, first, hit stop with the yellow flag um and you know that kind of set the tone for the rest of the race and then from there it was just trying to make up as many spots as i could on track but it was pretty difficult you know i was passing a, a few cars but not as many as i really would like um, you know at that point when i knew i was just kind of like stuck in in like a certain spot um i knew that you know this was going to come down a lot to pit stops right. you know doing doing well in pit lane and for my crew to do well in pit lane, like I had to do my job. You right. know, my job was to make sure I didn't get any pit speed limit violations. I needed to make sure when I came into the box, I wasn't stopping short. Like I was just right on the marks. Um, you know, basically I just needed to make their life as easy as I could make it. Um, and I knew if I could do that and not make mistakes. And if we didn't just get like caught out with some sort of weird, yellow flag strategy call or something i was like okay i can i can maybe finish this thing inside the top 10 and then like you said there was just some people that weren't able to fully execute you know they would make mistakes with pit speed limit violations or or um not hitting their marks in the pits and that's what cost them so mm-hmm. you know we we benefited from things that we needed to on track with yellow flags we also made some spots up on track but then we also just capitalized off other people's mistakes um and ultimately i think that that's why we did. We just ran a perfect race. It just, everything went, went right. Sage Karam, our guest, American racer, American race. And, uh, it was 230 miles back straight away. You were seriously lowering the ride height of the car by about an eighth of an inch to try and help you qualify for the Indy 500. Talk to us about lowering the ride height of the car. What, what goes into that? How does it, uh, how does it happen? Yeah. So, we have these like buttons on our steering wheel and stuff and it, it, it changes, you know, the balance of the car It's called a weight jacker. And yeah, it can like lower the rear of the car and, or raise it. And all of that, you know, will, will, um, change how the car handles in the corners. But like, you know, you don't really use it for the, for the straightaways, but you know, through the past few years, you know, teams have gotten really smart with how to use it. And, you know, they know if they lower the car, it's going to go faster in a straight line. So, um, you know, they've built systems on the cars to be able to 
do this in less than a second, you know, from full full range one way to full range the other. Wow. Um, and so it, it happens really, really quickly. So they'll, you know, coming out of the corner, they'll hit a button and the thing will just kind of slam down. And then right before they get into the corner, they hit the other button and it goes back up and then they have <laughs> the grip they need for the, the corner. Well, I didn't have that luxury of like having a system like that. So I had to do it all manually. Um, so instead of pressing two buttons each straight away, I was hitting about 10 to 12 and, and then doing like fuel mixtures and roll bar changes and shifting. I mean, there's a lot going on, you know, and then of course, like, you know, you got to run four perfect laps with like your line and everything and just one slip up and you're not making the, I was trying everything to get it into the show and, and I'm not sure if I like didn't do all that stuff, if I would have made it. So, um, it just it just shows how competitive and close the field is nowadays. Everything that you need to do to, you know, to take advantage of everything around you and all the resources around you just to be competitive and just go. It's 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 quite impressive what what IndyCar's competition level right now. And um, yeah, I mean it's it's harder than it's ever been. That's for sure. You are the very face of Reinbold Racing. That Chevrolet number twenty four. Uh, did well for you, but it's guys like Jeff Britton, your race engineer, that were able to help you assemble what that car looked like, felt like, how fast it raced, fuel fuel consumption. A lot of things go into the data that you guys must analyze, and you analyze it down to the nth degree. And that's what racing is in this day and age at the indie level. It is so fast, and tiny mistakes can result in in terrible mistakes. Uh, as they as they uh, uh, exemplify themselves, you know, a lot of teams have found a loophole in the in the jack of the right rear shock platform up and down. It also changes the ride height, right? So the underwings, uh, the way they are now, you you can get them to a point. My understanding is where the underwing starts to, if you get it low enough and it sh- and it starts to drag a bunch. Can you talk to us about that? Because I find that part of it. Actually, very interesting. That's the engineering aspect. Yeah, so obviously, you know, these cars are like mini rocket ships, right? So it's like a lot goes into them and a lot of thinking and strategy. And, um, you know, I've worked with Jeff now for seven of my eight 500s. Wow. So we have a really good relationship. So he he almost can know, well, he does, you know, he knows exactly like what I want in a car even before we're on track, you know, so that that relationship and easier um and he can just kind of like look at my data traces while i'm out there driving and just kind of know what i'm going to say before i come in so um you know when you have a relationship like that it's pretty cool but um yeah like you said i mean there's definitely like fine lines with everything i mean these cars are just so sensitive to what you do and i mean you're only moving them you know you're making adjustments by millimeters you know i mean we're not talking inches or anything like that so it's like when you're making wing changes and um ride height changes camber toe what what well, I mean, it's all millimeters and um it's they're, the cars are that sensitive you know so if you go too far one way or um not enough you know like it, it really does make all the world a difference and you know i mean like install out under wings and you know actual wings um you know because i mean everything's acting like a reverse airplane right. you know so it's like once you get to a, a certain point and if you're not actually creating that downforce and that you know suction of the track um, you're actually doing the opposite and almost like creating lift. So, um, you know, that's, 
that's on Jeff, you know, to like look at the data <laughs> to, to make sure that, you know, we're not doing any of that stuff. Yes, but, you Jeff. know, he's going to give him that information to, to look at and go through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we haven't really – I think the engineers and, and the data they have nowadays is so good that, like, you know, it they don't ever really get into that range of, like, stalling out. I mean, we get close to it, um, and you might touch it, and but – you know, if you touch it, you know pretty quickly that, like, hey, you know, this right, and we got to go back, you know. So it's not like a, it's not like a big thing right now, and it, it's more or less just with how close everybody is. It's it's making sure your wing angles are like spot on, perfect. Your yeah. gear ratios are spot on. Like, you know, with the weather changing constantly, if you miss the the like, if you go out and qualify at minus four, and it the track heats up by 10 degrees and you can't run four laps at minus four and you should have been at minus two, you know, it's like all the difference in the world. So it's like, if you miss the rear wing by one or two degrees, or if you're, you know, one or two degrees or a gear stack short or tall, um, on like fifth or sixth gear and the wind change changes everything, you're not going to make the race. So it's a lot of thinking and that's why Jeff gets paid the big bucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do all that stuff. Sage, we're up against the clock, but I got one final question for you. you got to give me a quick answer, okay? How important oh, yeah. is, in the old days, putting decals all over the body of a race car, okay? The fuselage, et cetera. Um, they didn't really take into account that leading edge of every decal, right? That yep. can slow you down when you have covered it. Your cars are fairly smooth now, aren't they? Yeah, so, like, Jeff will tell you... Um, Engineers don't like any leading edges of anything. Everything's got to be silky smooth. So all our all our cars are painted, and all yeah. the decals are painted into the paint. So That's crazy. It's one smooth thing. How many backup cars do you have? Uh, we just have one. Yeah, just one. Wow. So, I mean, if you go through like two cars, then usually <laughs> it's not good. So, no, that. <laughs> um, yeah, if you go through your backup, you're, you're you're having a rough time. My friends at Casey's General Stores here in Des Moines. Don Lamberti, the uh, former founder, uh, sponsors four race teams. And believe me, he, he'll he tell you how many engines he's got, and he's 90 years old. Yeah. <laughs> he knows exactly how many engines he's got. It ain't cheap to go racing. Sage, it ain't. it's good to talk to you, brother. My best to your dad, Jody, uh, your whole family, your mom, everybody. And uh, we're going to keep watching you, and we'll keep calling and having you on from time to time. Continued success. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. You want to go through the sponsor lineup real quick? I want to thank. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously this year we had a new sponsor with AES on board. Um, so it was really cool to give them that opportunity and to have a great month with us. So thank you to AES. Obviously, thanks to Ryan Reinbold for putting together a great car, working with them again. So it was great to be back with the team um, and Chevrolet. You know, I mean, having Chevy back, um, you know, they were strong all month. So. I've been with Chevy all eight years. I'm pr- proud to be with Chevy. Chevrolet putting the power into that car. I tell you what, that's what it's all about. Sage, good job out of you. Continued success. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Yep, thank you, guys. Bye. You bet. Sage Karam on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. And with us over athletes, that is so important to be able to embrace not only your foundation, but to understand what that foundation gave you. Sage gets it. We'll be back after this. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350. This is ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. 
think our top speed last segment was about 230 miles an hour down that back straightaway. I didn't get to ask him, didn't get to ask Sage Karam um, what his favorite turn was because every racer will tell you they get a favorite turn at a favorite track. Obviously, he's had a lot of success here in Iowa, in Newton, Iowa, at that racetrack in the Indy Car Series, but racing at Indy is so big. I remember I was in Field, I was announcing there that weekend um, a motorcycle racing, and I walked across the infield, and it takes like two, three months to walk across the infield. It's huge. <laughs> but with uh, Sid from uh, Slipknot, okay? Now, he was recovering from breaking both of his ankles, I think. I oh. can't remember, but I think it was ankles. He was walking with two silver tip canes, and we just had the best time. We were treated like royalty, mostly because, so thank you, Sid. That'll do it. Yeah, Slipknot making its home here in Des Moines, Iowa. I love that. All right. Welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown. Scott Casper with you. Kira Jones at my ship doing what she does so well here on ESPN Radio. The creator and host of Blood Time Podcast out of Beachwood, Ohio is our next guest. This is a podcast that speaks to the blood ties that are created between athlete and coach at the high school and collegiate levels. He joins us now. Does the great Peter Cimarroni. I'm good, man. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're having to pump the brakes here now, going down from 230 down to a reasonable 65 or 70 miles an hour. Well, unless Jordan Burroughs is uh, doing a spear <laughs> double, right? Yeah. It's about 150 <laughs> miles an hour. Dude, I mean, seriously, that guy can drop down and, and, and blast double so quick yes. that you don't know it's on you. And that's the secret to his success. Shades of John Smith, right? In the low oh, single. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I'd right love on. to watch old footage of john smith wrestling randy whoever uh you know there was certain moments of brilliance in every match that john ever wrestled would you say that's true no doubt no doubt and and you know he was almost like a scientist breaking down that low single it was just spectacular and he worked on that and perfected and then of course all the generations after the next level and done magnificent stuff with it and he was the archetype athletes coaches um and those that you know are close can be like a family throughout a athlete's career and you've been able to identify that you call it blood time talk to us a bit about the theory behind because first of all it's great by the way a company that bought one of my radio shows once upon a time it was called pit pass motor racing weekly and uh, evergreen are you still on evergreen podcast Oh, yeah, we're on Evergreen, and Salem Broadcasting is looking to bring us on as well, Great. Uh, both locally and, and nationally. And so, Scott, what uh, what blood time is really is the transformative moment between the athlete and the coach when they connect, and they're transformed into something greater than each other. And what do they do with that? I just had, I was just actually at a Mitch Clark uh, clinic at my old high school at Beachwood two weeks ago, and I'm uh, running a campaign for another wrestling coach, Will Knight. He's running for the 11th Congressional District. But one of my former captains was there, and he's a very successful businessman. He was one of my co-founders and wrestlers in business. When, uh, when he was in high school and I would come to practice, I was always a businessman in the business suit, and then to get changed, he said, that's who I want to be. He says, but more importantly, it's the family that you've created right. that has been it's been multi-generational and through the generations. And he says, and that's my goal in my business. And that's why I created wrestlers and business network is to create a, not only an international family. Mm-hmm. And so it's that family, because at the end of the day, I want to coach great human beings because great wrestling comes easy. If you have those foundational pieces right. and if you don't have, if, if you don't have dedication, 
you know, drive, determination, loyalty, work ethic, you're not going to be a great wrestler. You know, if you have the talent, you might get you might get you might get by a little bit on tempo in, in high school. But once you get into the national and that international level, you've got to have all the underpinnings of a great human being to be an international champion or national champion. So that's what we create that family, and I've been very proud to be able to do that. Well, you've been doing it and doing it well, my friend. I got to tell you, you. Uh, for thirty years. You've uh, been a great wrestling coach at the highest caliber, and we talk about that in relationship to how long we've been on the air, okay? So okay. We, we, we determined that we needed to have a show that would okay. be welcome both on radio and television, which it has been. Um, sure. And recently ESPN decided to carry our programming. And awesome. we love well, we, we to tell the story of the sport. And it's not the wins and losses. Anybody can win anybody can lose at any given time randy couture will tell you that yep. uh, but we like to tell the story of the people that make up the sport because if you if you miss that part if you miss that element you're missing the whole intent of the sport and of sports in general agree or disagree totally 100 percent. i hire wrestlers whenever i get a chance and i've only lost on one of those hires uh, and you just had some demons that uh, were were pretty much unconquerable for him. But 99.9% mm-hmm. .9 of the time, we just knock it out of the park. And my brother also, was never, he wasn't a wrestler, but he was a football player, and he runs, he, look, he looks for that athlete. Love it. Uh, because of that dedication to discipline, uh, but also to creativity. You know, um, I had an opportunity to interview a hockey coach, Joe Batista, who just retired as the head hockey coach for Penn State. Oh, wow. And uh, he was talking about the great one, Gretzky. But Gretzky played other sports, and he brought that creativity from other sports into his sport because he wasn't the fastest, the strongest, you know, the most talented. He was altogether the most yes. And that's how he ended up, you know, going, you know, going to where the puck is, playing behind the net and actually using the net as part of his uh, brilliance. And so, you know, you look at all these guys that are, that are doing well in all these sports, and you see that little nuance, that little creative uh, form of brilliance that brings them to that elite level. And that's the coach. The coach can engender and, and inspire that creativity, that spark of, of nuance, if you will. Oh, we talked, mentioned Jordan Burroughs earlier in the uh, sure. conversation. Um, sure. It was recently announced that he would be uh, upending his family, moving back to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, right on the border there. Um, okay to change up his club affiliation. But sure. also, I think um, there's something about a clear blue sky that is okay. unencumbered by clouds, unencumbered by uh, the past, okay? Yeah. So it's a, it's a fresh new look. That's yeah. important for a guy that is at any level, really, but to be able to be confident enough in your abilities but, but desirous enough to want to change uh, some subtle things to put you back in that position of not only being able to challenge Dake, because Dake's the guy right now, but yep. to be able to rise above it all and put you back into championship form. What are your thoughts? Well, 100%. I mean, Schneider just did that, right? He just went to the uh, Pennsylvania RT RTC, I believe. Right. Uh, you know, so I think the whole message in this generation of elite athlete, and I interviewed a guy by the name of George DiCamillo who took second to uh, – I can't remember the guy's name out of Oklahoma State, but he wrestled for Vod Tech. He was a two-time state champ here locally, but he took second um, back in the day a couple years ago. And he, he coined a term, well, he didn't coin it, but he used it, 
getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. pushing yourself, you know, failing forward and getting into a situation where you're the new guy, you know, you're the new person and learning from different voices, seeing different creativity, seeing opportunities that, you know, you may have gotten a little stale. So right. maybe Burroughs is thinking, you know, I got maybe a little stale, a little complacent. I need myself, I need to get uncomfortable right. and I need to see some different technique. Well, and, and, and the guys that have moved on before him, like James Green, who is James Green, um, yep. you know, guys that I enjoy talking to not only on the program, but off air, you yeah. know, they inspire me. If, if people, no people ask where you and I come from in terms of why we do our podcast, our radio shows, because the, the people that we're interviewing actually serve to inspire us. And, yeah. and I think that says volumes about who they really are. Agree? Or yeah, but not only do I agree, but I wrote a book called Benevolent Capitalism, and it was the it was the etymology, if you will, of blood time. Okay. And then there was a chapter in it called The Student Becomes the Teacher, and it was about six of my former athletes who came back after the lessons that they learned in the wrestling room that I taught them and, and some other coaches taught them. They took that to the next level and then came back and taught me mm. on how to evolve those lessons and what it could, what it could do in the real world. And then in turn, I continue to teach new generations of that. And now they're coming back and teaching me. There it is. So it's the student becomes the teacher in that constant, constant evolution of the beautiful message. You know, if you look at it, we call it the gable effect, that ripple, ripple, ripple. You throw a pebble in the middle of a pond and it ripples out to shore. Right. And how many ripples is there? Well, with gable is, you know, I millions, dare say millions, millions, millions. At the end of the day, you don't know who you touch. Right. And that's why you have to do it. And I, and I, and I say this the very first day of practice, do good always. Oh, because good and bad do not happen in a vacuum. They reverberate space. Hmm. Cimarroni, you're inspiring me this morning. I'm going to The name great. of your firm is Cimarroni and, uh, and razor limited, right? No, it's, it's Razor. Uh, Razor Limited is my is my firm. It's a best practices firm. Okay, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, we're 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 big on best practices, my friend. Sales, marketing, practices. management, PR. Uh, we do more than that. We we really go in and triage companies, find out what's right with them, what's wrong with them, okay. where do they want to be, and why, and how. And so typically we do a, a deep deep dive, a triage, and really find out where they are, where their strengths, where their weaknesses, and then we put together a strategic plan, and we. We implement that and we quarterback it. I love that. And that's it's similar to what Johnny Bartis did in the insurance industry. Uh, And so many, I don't know if you can name a handful of guys like um, a gentleman that started Benihana, uh, Mm, Sharpie Sharpie Pens, uh, Rubbermaid. Uh, I mean, so many of America's great businesses were not only founded, but uh, uh, driven by former wrestlers. No doubt. I find no that just encouraging every single time I, I hit hit the mic switch. Well, and I just and I interviewed one of my first interviews on Blood Time was Barry Broom, and he's the president of the Sacramento Economics Council. Okay, and you talk about economics. He started the he basically not started but put the Greater Phoenix Economics Council on the map and became it became the number one economics council. And he's a a former John Carroll wrestler. I had the honor of coaching him back in the day. Uh, well, and I was the, the first graduate assistant there, 
and his claim to fame is he beat Billy Baldwin at the uh, at the Rochester Invitational Tournament. <laughs> so, I beat Billy Baldwin in, in eight ounce curls. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Billy will tell you. Yeah, China, but, China will tell you she was there watching the whole thing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Billy. He's yeah, the he, best. he is he's the, the best. best, and he's, he's another one of those guys been up in their chosen profession, but because yeah. of the sport. And you know what? They don't turn their back on the sport. No, 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 no. And no, no. and those, our sport is in our veins. My that's friend. it. Therein lies the blood. Whether you like it or not, it's in our veins. <laughs> oh, some <laughs> of us, some of us like it more than others. But Cimarroni, you live it. Every day you eat, sleep, and and uh, eat it. I tell you what, that's a, that's the best part about it. Beachwood, yep. Ohio is your home. Tell folks how they can be in touch with you, both for the show, but also professionally speaking on the business side. Yes. Well, you can reach me at razor-marketing.com, razor-marketing.com. Uh, and also, too, please check us out at Maverick Podcasting Network. That's Maverick Podcasting Network or maverickpodcasting.com. We're also on Evergreen Podcasting and soon to be on Salem Broadcasting. And we're on all the platforms, um, Anchor, Spotify, iHeart, iBreaker, you name it. We're, we're there, Podcast Attic. I mean, you, <laughs> we, you can find us blood time. Matter of fact, I was listening to us on Alexa yesterday. What? Said, wow. Yeah, I Alexa. I said, Alexa, play blood time podcast. And she went right to it. Nice. So She's it smart, though. She's super yeah. smart. Peter, it's always good to talk to your brother. Do me a favor. I'm, I do want to talk to Michael, and yeah. perhaps you could put me in touch with him because we've got another show uh, yeah. on, a, on a different uh, station, but uh, I think it would be interesting to get in touch with him and talk you a little bit about chills. Michael Goldberg, you will get chills. He's a... He is one of my favorite human beings on the planet, and I've loved that kid since he was 12 years old. And we love you too, brother. God bless you. you. Thanks for taking the time out of your very busy schedule. Thank you, Scott. God bless you, and uh, keep doing God's work, bro. Every day, you as well. Creator and host of the Blood Time Podcast, he is the coach, Peter Cimarroni. Tell you what, we got to go to the top of the hour, news and break. So stay tuned. This is USA Takedown only on ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. Okay, so welcome back to the show, USA Takedown. It's Casper and uh, mm, Kira. That's what Casper and Kira. That kind of sounds cool. Casper and Kira. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael Hart back next week making a couple of business changes in his life. For him the opportunity. We'll leave the chair open just for him and you. USA Takedown from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. Brought to you in part by our friends at here.com forward slash Casper. Best hearing aids, best prices, incredible customer service. And if you want the best price, always use the forward spur at the end of here.com. And, and believe me, their products that they uh, sell you that you buy from them, the hearing devices, are top drawer. They're rated number one in the world, and there's a reason why. Great products, great prices, incredible customer service. Anthony, he's my guy, and I think you'll enjoy. They have a lot of wrestling uh, touches within that family, by the way. Earl Hall's fiance, she works for here.com. Yeah, and they're out in Virginia. How about that? Well, I imagine you'll... You get a lot of <laughs> ear issues exactly. as a wrestler, right? A lot of hearing wearing issues. The, wearing those head head protection. Kevin Dresser next up, the head coach of Iowa State University. Kevin, do you have any hearing loss? Do I have any what? Hearing loss. 
We're talking about no. hearing aids there, just for a second. You just, asked, you just asked me a question, I said, what? So it sounded, probably sounded like I do have hearing loss, <laughs> but no, I don't. Okay. But as well as I do, there are a lot of wrestlers out there with cauliflower ear, uh, restricting the amount of sound that can enter the ear canal. That's why they came to us and said, hey, we'd like to sponsor the program. And you know what? It's been a good fit ever since. And they actually outfit me with my hearing devices. So I love that. Kevin, good morning. Good morning. It's titles. It's honors. It's awards. And those are the things that follow you, Kevin, and have done so since uh, you were at Humble High School. And uh, you're, you're searching for the same for your young charges at Iowa State, home of the Cyclones. You've recently announced a, a cooperative match between the uh, Purdue Boilermakers and your Cyclones to take place in Humboldt, Iowa. Tell us about that. Well, it's, it's, um, it's tentative, but it looks like it's going to happen. Um, our, our schedule hasn't been released, but I guess the, uh, <clears throat> probably the combination of the Humboldt people and I think Purdue might have got it out there with their schedule. We haven't got our schedule officially out yet, but I think it's safe to talk about it. Um, it's going to be, I think, December 19th. It's going to be on a Sunday afternoon. And obviously the the commonality or the unusualness of it comes from the fact that uh, head coach at Purdue, Tony Ursland, is a humble guy. I'm, and actually, the humble coach um, came to, I think he came to Tony first. So they kind of came to me together and asked if we'd be, of course we were. So um, it's just another, you know, it's not really going to be considered a, per se home match for Iowa state, but it's obviously going to be pretty darn close <laughs> yeah. about an hour and 10 minutes away. So um, in Purdue, you know, we hope that the top 10 teams in the nation. So to get two top 10 division one schools to wrestle in a, in a, in a gym up in Northwest Iowa is kind of a cool thing. I think it's a very cool thing. And, and, and one of the things we talk about on this very program is uh, discovering, not only discovering that, which, what got you there. We had Sage Karam, uh, on earlier in hour number one, Sage finished seventh after starting in 31st position at the Indy 500 the wrestler out of Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And he gives ultimate credit to his wrestling coach father, okay, and the sport that made him into the athlete that he is today. Gave him a good grounding, a good founding. David Carr, uh, who is, I believe, I think he's the 50th uh, NCAA champ for Iowa State in the history of the program, Yes. Um, you know what? I think I did hear that. Um, they don't pay me for my statistical knowledge. <laughs> and if they did, I would be unemployed. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not me. much of a statistical, uh, guy, uh, source. So, um, I, I do think I heard that though. Yeah. I think that is ultimately very cool because that car legacy, <clears throat> if you think about it, Jimmy Carr, Nate Carr, Nate Carr, senior David Carr. I remember when David Carr was still in high school, he called me up to kind of fill me in on what he was doing, if only to get his name out there. He was self-marketing early on. This cat is destined for international greatness, I, I almost guarantee you. What are your thoughts on at Iowa State? Obviously, made a lot of progress this year. You know, his <clears throat> first year, um, you know, we obviously got canceled going into the uh, NCAA championships. I think he would have been probably the third or third seed, I think, going into that, and you know, honestly, I don't know if he was ready to win that weekend, um, but the progress he made from you know, uh, March of 2020 until March of 2021 was uh, pretty pretty uh, recognizable. Um, you know, he dominated 
really kind of dominated his bracket this year. Um, you know, four or five to one against a really good guy in the semis and I think five to nothing in the finals. And so, um, you know, he's putting time in, David. I always say to be really, really good, you got to really love the sport because it's such a hard um, And uh, walk in the room, your minutes there mean something. And uh, I felt like his minutes in the room the last 10, 12 months really showed up from the time, uh, you know, he, he, he canceled the NCAA championships because of COVID until he went this year. Right. I just felt like his minutes were really well used. Um, super athletic, but his focus and his toughness really um, were the two things that that um, that really improved over one year span. There, they talk about transparency and style. Well, if you think about it, offense, um, is a great thing to have a defense to back it up. Uh, your offense goes left wanting in my and that of many others. So my my point in bringing that up is he didn't give up a single during the championships. And if you think about the athletes that he um, he was facing at 157 pounds were the cream of the crop. And when no, he didn't. His defense was great. You know, he didn't give up give up any points. That's one sure way to give yourself a chance to win. Right? Is when you don't nobody scores any points on you, no matter what sport you're playing. <laughs> and one would have been too many. David Carr, very, very proud young man, but proud for all the right reasons. He's work to be the level best he can be, to challenge for spots nationally and internationally. And uh, that's one of the hallmarks for Iowa State, the Cyclones. Talk to us about Gannon Gremmel. He also earned All-America honors in St. Louis, wrestling to a fifth-place finish at the NCAAs, perhaps not the finish he would have liked. But uh, if you think about it, he goes down to the Iowa State record books as the 301st All-American in program history. He had a great weekend. He really had a great weekend. And I always say he's uh, one of the best competitors I've ever coached in terms of when it, when, when the calendar flips and it's game day and it's match day uh, tournament or whether it's a dual meet, you're going to get everything he's got. Um, oh. He's going to give you everything. You know, the guy, I can't say one time since I've been here now in four years that I went out and thought, okay, Gannon lost that match because he got tired. Um, he just has that the love to compete. Um, you know, I've challenged him. I don't think, and I'd rather be this way. So when I say he wasn't a great guy in the practice room, I'd rather have a guy that if he's going to be a little um, insufficient, be maybe insufficient in the practice room instead of the cop. I have seen guys on practice, and then you put him out there under the lights, and they go the other way. Gannon was, is uh, if you're going to have one or the other, Gannon was the one you wanted. You wanted to have a guy that, when it was game time, man, he, he competes hard. Mm. Jared Deegan. Um, is it Degan or Deegan? Dagan. Dagan. Uh, okay. okay, Dagan. Okay. Became Iowa State's 46 four-time NCAA qualifier. That's tough to do in this day and age because it becomes so um, rare that you get an athlete that can stay on station, stay on post, of, as it were, um, to use the Jim Gibson VMI uh, <laughs> from earlier. Stay on post. Um, but to stay on post for four consecutive years at the Division One level and the Iowa State level is even more rare. Uh, I think it's an outstanding comment on what this young man uh, has to offer. Talk to us a bit about Jarrett because I think, uh, you know, what, if he chooses to compete internationally, I don't know. And will he be assuming is uh, that, that magical fifth season? 
Uh, yes, he's going to take uh, and surprise, and it surprised me when he came to me after the, the season this year and said he wanted to come back and uh, do an extra year because he's been, cool. you know, very injury prone. He's had uh, this is the first summer that he's been able to train uh, in the past three summers because he's always had a significant surgery that was six, seven, eight monther, and so we've always kind of had to get him ready to go like at the 11th hour. So he's never had the training and the, and the off season's just so big in terms of developing strength and right. just continuing to get better at your craft. He just hasn't had any good off seasons. And I think I caught up to him this year and I don't think he was in, you know, one thing about Jared is Jared's tough and you can coach him and, and you can look him in the eye and say, okay, you didn't do a very good job here. And if you want to reach your goals, you got to do a lot better job. And he didn't do a good job for us just in terms of um, taking everything seriously and putting everything he needed to put into the sport, especially when you don't get a train in the off season. So what I've seen at him so far this summer has been a totally different guy, kind of the guy that I saw three years ago. I think he kind of went in this year thinking, well, you know, I all American the year before, so maybe I just need to show up. <clears throat> so we didn't get the workload out of him. We wanted to this year. And I've just seen a kid that's grown up a lot, you know, and even though he's a fifth year senior, I think he's grown up and now he respects the work that needs to be done to get, finish it out strong so there it is um you know I, I think the thing with him is just the way that he's he's put together he's a tall lean kid is if he can handle the training load um he'll be ready to go i i um you know and i think the way we put it is hey let's train really hard this summer and let's see what our body does for us and if our body holds up then we're here <laughs> if your body doesn't hold up then hey we can we can walk off into the sunset saying you were a two-time all-american four-time NCAA qualifier at Iowa State. That's wow. not that's not shabby, but I think he wants more, and I'm glad he wants more. That's an athlete that is that driven. He comes in and says, hey, I want to do this. And you are yep. saying, oh, boy, you know, thank God. How about, I do want to talk something you have. It's an embarrassment of riches, to be perfectly frank, from my seat. But guys like Kyson Tarakina uh, and Zach Redding, were two of the 26 true freshmen in the NCAA championships field for Iowa State. And I think they got the most out of it, those two. But realistically, you have one of the uh, strongest core of true freshmen going into their second year um, that I, I think it may be the second most in the NCAA, yeah? We had a really good true freshman class this year. And really, if you look at it, uh, NCA wise in the way that uh, the COVID and everything uh, determined their eligibility. They're actually like, they basically were all seniors in high school this year. Now they have five years left. So <laughs> you know, we had four guys that really stood out in that true freshman class. Two of them went to the NCA tournament started for us. We had um, uh, Zach Redding and, at 133 and Kyson Tarakeen at 120. Really did a good job for us. There's so many of those guys that um, um, you know, I'm curious to see how they react because they did a lot of good things, but as, t as freshmen, they did a lot of, I don't want to say bad. It could have improved in a lot of areas, probably more so away from the room than in the room. Um, so they did a good job. And then we had another kid named Cam Robinson, the Pennsylvania kid that did a really good job for us. And then our Cuba guy, younger Batista, did a great job for us. So we got four guys there that are, all of them are very, very athletic um, um, and are just really kind of figuring out college wrestling. Obviously, you know, younger being from Cuba, I mean, he's he was in some big time matches this year it just was evident that, you know, he didn't show up because of COVID. He was supposed to get to Ames in August and start like everybody else did, but because of COVID and airports being shut down, he didn't get to the States until Thanksgiving. So the fact of the matter, he's wrestling Gary and 
um, Jake Woodley from, from uh, Oklahoma, all these guys that were All-Americans and national champs, and he's going toe-to-toe with them. And then he loses his spot to a really good guy named Marcus Coleman, um, shows you, you know, just how good he can be down the road. So we're excited all four of those guys um, are, have four, five years left. You know, they can redshirt this year, and he probably will redshirt one or two of them this year. About three minutes remain. We go to Kara Jones. Kara. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking a lot about your freshman class. Mm-hmm. So with kids, kids, honestly, who young, young are man. so new to the sport, like what is what is your day one procedure? Like what is the first thing that you guys do to uh, once they enter your wrestling domain? Well, a lot of them come in uh, the summer before they start, <clears throat> whether they're taking summer school classes or whether they just move to Ames and then start training in the regional training center that we have here. So a lot of times we get just about every one of them, we start getting you know our hands on them in June. And so like our incoming freshman class this year, you know, most of them are already in town taking classes right now. So so we get a chance to start working with them early and and it's just a process. I mean, we can all remember when we were freshmen, even if you weren't an athlete or you were an athlete, there's just a huge learning curve from everything from, you know, what time, you know, do I have to figure out what time to go to bed at <laughs> night and I got to figure out to get up early enough to eat breakfast. So when I go out that I, uh, I'm productive and just, you know, the biggest struggle with freshmen isn't so much in the room because they come into the room super coachable and eager and they don't want to disappoint where most of them fail or struggle, I shouldn't say fail, but struggle and is uh, outside of the room. They're, they're learning how to manage their life is, this, is the challenge. And, you know, and to be quite honest, you know, how much their, their mother uh, took care of business for them in high school versus, you know, kind of raised them independently. So they had to do some, figure out some things on their own. Like, you know, I can wash my own clothes. Um, sometimes uh, they come in, some come in a little more handicapped than the others, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but they can't do a daggone thing on their own. And we had a little bit of that this year with some of those guys, as talented as they were, uh, they couldn't function out of the wrestling room very well. So a lot of life skills have to be. Hey, but coach, you know, let's face it, a washing machine is an exceedingly complicated piece of machinery. Okay. <laughs> Every one of them's different. <laughs> right, right. But I get what you're saying. You know, it's acclimating to the life, the lifestyle, the demands of both academic and athletic, and then creating a balance because there has to be a sense of oneself in there somewhere. But this year has presented some huge challenges, and I'm talking about the COVID struggle, um, you know, where we seemingly are, are approaching 70% uh, vaccination uh, rate in the country for adults. Um, it's still a bit of a dangerous time and we have to be careful with each other and protect each other. And I think wrestling has done an outstanding job of doing just that. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I thought everybody, I thought we, you know, I thought overall, the, you know, we all obviously went into completely uncharted right. uh, waters with all of this. I thought given what we were dealt, we did a good job with it and we got through the season. So um, obviously it wasn't ideal, but we did it. There was some there was some question as to whether or not we would have a championship, Big Twelve, and then NCAA. But again, wrestling was showing on an independent level. The RTC stepped up and set a format out there in terms of how to prepare, how to be safe, how to create a yourself, and then how to get out there and get after it. Some 
Coach, frustrating for you because you see kids wrestling with a mat, a mask on, and it's not covering the nose, okay, and uh, or no mask at all, and and there's there was a lot of mixed messaging going on because it really was uncharted territory. It really was uh, a learning process for everybody, and to some degree, I think it still is. But I'm proud to say that our sport has been able to rise above it all and show other sports how it's done and done safely. Kevin, it's always good to talk to you, brother. Uh, summer camps, you have them going on this year? Nope, we kind of stayed away from it. Again, a little bit of COVID restrictions just made it made the, the hassle of doing them more work, you know, not, not worth it at the end. So we, uh, um, we didn't do camps. We'll probably get back into the camp business next summer. All right, scheduled to be released, but folks – you want to see great wrestling close uh, close to our studios here in Des Moines, Iowa, um, we invite you to go to cyclones.com. There you can find out more information of the news, the Cyclone Club information, which, by the way, one of the strongest uh, organizations in terms of supporting its teams and its club, uh, Cyclone Club. You know what? I've just had so much fun interacting with those folks, many of which I'm still friends with today. And that says an awful lot about Iowa State. Kevin, good talking with you. Best of Metcalf and the Bunch, okay? Yep, thank you, guys. There he goes, one of our faves. Kevin Dresser, the head coach of Iowa State. Titles, honors, and awards wherever he's gone. And he's uh, done so out of Humboldt, Iowa. And for those of you that don't recognize what Humboldt is, guess what? At one time, the turn of the century, there was a wrestler that was literally the best in the world, the world champion, named Frank Gotch. Died at age 32 in Humboldt, uh, but he was literally a Sunday wrestler. In other words, he'd wrestle at carnivals and in barns and all sorts of stuff. Went on to face the Russian lion, George Hackenschmidt. And he was cut from steel. I mean, this dude was tough. And they could wrestle for an hour or two. And they did so often, uh, sometimes with guys like Farmer Burns and others. There's a great special coming out. You'll see me on it. It's all about catch wrestling. And that's the kind of wrestling they did at turn of the century. Catch wrestling. Catch as catch can. And uh, that documentary is being put together by Curran Jacobs and company up in Michigan. And uh, they came all the way to Des Moines, Iowa to interview me. (laughs) I said, you got to shoot me from here up. I don't want to look fat on TV. I may look fat in person, but I don't want to look fat on TV if I have a choice. Anyways, great to be a part of that, so stay tuned. Uh, the trailer for that's coming out. The Price of Legacy is out. It's recently been added to iTunes uh, and a variety of different pay-for-play platforms, and the reviews are huge and coming in daily, so make sure you take a look at uh, The Price of Legacy and the dynasty that was Perry High School that is Perry High School, including some of the greats like Danny Hodge, the very namesake of the Hodge Award, which is the Heisman of the sport of wrestling. And uh, is that because we we did talk about the movie? Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get a good sense. Is it like a biopic, or is it something like? Is it like a nonfiction movie where they're interviewing people? It's it's. I consider it more of a nonfiction film. Okay. Uh, in that uh, there are people in the film that are being interviewed for their knowledge of the sport and of Perry High School. For those of you who may not know, Perry, Perry, uh, Oklahoma, was the product of the Great Land Rush. In other words, they lined everybody up, and they were all in wagons and buggies and horses. And once the uh, shots were fired, the race and people had to go out and stake out their quarter of land, their section of land. 
and uh, some got more than others. Imagine that. And the fast ones obviously got the best and most prime pieces. Well, Perry, Oklahoma was hardly a prime piece. Okay. <laughs> you got to remember this took place around the time of uh, Dust Bowl was decimating to those in the Southwest. It virtually killed everything in its path. There was tons and tons of dirt and overdraft uh, overburden put on top of the, any plant life and that everything died. So these are hard scrabble folks. They were kind that would put a mattress on the back of an old pickup truck and uh, their worldly possessions, which basically could fit inside a pickup truck for a family of five, and they hustled off to California. There was a time when they were stopping people at the border of California. Imagine that. In the United States, we stop people from other states and other territories from coming into another state because there were so many of them. And these folks were dirt poor. That's where the Turks from. So think about what Perry, Oklahoma has gone through in all these years, what Perry High School has done, and what Perry High School wrestling has done for the town of 5,000, Perry, Oklahoma, and those towns around it. It made everybody that much better. Look at Oklahoma State. Look at Oklahoma State. They've had over the years, the Oklahoma City Stars, et cetera. This is what makes wrestling so great. It has a grassroots effort and has since the very beginning of time. Wrestling is the oldest sport known to man. This program is the oldest sport <laughs> of its kind to support the sport of wrestling. We belabored that point. We're going to head to break. You're listening to USA Takedown only on 1350. This is ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. Here we go, here we go now, across the fruited plain and all the ships at sea, coast to coast and border to USA Takedown, only on ESPN Radio. Glad to have you with us. We are broadcasting from our Wild Rose Casino Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. This portion of our program brought to you by Defense Soap. Keep your athletes happy, healthy, and on the mat with Defense Soap. Created by a wrestler for wrestlers for a reason. All natural, all great products, and they cover it all. From bar soap to hand soap, to shampoos and gels, sprays and more. Defense soap done the right. Next guest is an old friend of ours, recent recipient uh, uh, order of merit at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame inductions, doing so with great guys like Bruce Burnett, Dramil Byers, Mark Lieberman, Bill Zadick, Tim Shields, uh, Garrett Schaub. All these guys, Carl uh, Eschenbach, have a tremendous amount of respect for None more so than our next guest. He is the Abbott of Wrestling, Gary Abbott. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I'm doing great, Scott. Appreciate you giving me a call. Well, you know, I, I was so encouraged when I initially saw, um, I, th I think it was Leroy that sent it to me, and your name was on it, and I was thinking, finally. <laughs> you know, you have done so much, largely with very little acclaim for your work, but together an assemblage of, of uh, history as you have, Crossing all um, different timelines, and I'm talking about timelines like men and women, uh, upper class, seniors, uh, you know, the golden oldies, and then the younger ones, too. You've been able to tell the story of our sport perhaps better than anybody else in the business. First of all, thank you, and congratulations on the induction, the recipient of the Order of Merit. Well, thanks, Scott. I mean, it was a wonderful um 
honor and, and very humbling to be included with the Hall of Fame selection. And uh, my family and I were able to get together and spend a really great weekend in Stillwater, just uh, enjoying uh, the chance to celebrate um, the award, but also to share it with people we care about. So it, it, it's weird. I've been to the Hall of Fame numerous times oh, yeah. uh, over the years covering it, but to be one of the inductees was clearly a different experience for me. You tuxedo out of the closet, have it, uh, have it dry cleaned, and man, you look good in the tux this year. I got to tell you, Gary, you look actually. I didn't pull a tuxedo out of the closet. The one I used to have was a little small now that I've <laughs> grown up in years and size a little bit. So uh, we actually went out and bought a new one just for this. But awesome. I'll be good for anything else moving forward now. <laughs> That's the best part. I've got two tuxes. i got the fat boy tux and then the less fat boy tux. So. I've been, right, right. <laughs> I've been I've been down that road. <laughs> well, it's like Gleason. Gleason had a closet of fat clothes and a closet of really fat clothes. Okay, so I'm in good company. Anyway, uh, Gary. Um, so congratulations about that. I got to ask you uh, to, and I'm I'm probably going to be able to hold you over through uh, the break, Gary, because there's so much ground to cover here. I want to talk Pan Ams. I want to talk U23s. I want to talk first about the FCA. Uh, card that's taking place tonight free of charge. Fans can watch it around the world free of charge and it's the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Talk to, and by the way, I wondered how long it was going to take them to hold their own uh, high level, uh, senior level card called Truth and Technique. Talk to, us, talk to us a little bit about this. Yeah, you know, it's been a really revolutionary time in wrestling uh, since the pandemic hit and the world needed wrestling and there wasn't a lot going on. The idea of hosting the all-star cards for money uh, was something that was really very positive during the, the pandemic. And uh, it, it, it seems natural that the FCA might be part of that. They right. have been involved in so much of wrestling over the years, including obviously camps and clinics, international tours, um, ministry and things of that sort. So, uh, when they announced that they were going to bring together some senior athletes as a way to help launch one of their new activities and uh, run one of these cards, it was just perfect. I know there's a lot of athletes that are active with FCA wrestling, uh, but they're also help wrestling. In and this is just a new thing for them, but I think it's something that they'll probably do more in the future. Uh, the, the matchups are pretty very solid, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, uh, right now is a time. Uh, the Olympian preparing for Tokyo. We've got another World Championships this year. So the, the timing is a little uh, different to pull together a card, but they got some really outstanding matches and great wrestlers, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we'll talk about men's freestyle first, and I'm going to slip you into the coaching. <laughs> okay, coach? Here we go. Mark Hall versus Drew Foster, a pair of past NCAA champs, are set to do battle. And you couldn't necessarily put this together without the endorsement of a head coach um, and head coaches across the country of those that are involved in this. But Mark Hall and Drew Foster, not in anybody's book. Oh, yeah. No, they uh, clearly uh, are excellent wrestlers. Uh, both are getting better, you know, uh, Clearly, Hall, with his age group world titles, has been on the freestyle uh, circuit for a longer time than, than Drew Foster, who 
really became active after a successful college career. But, you know, they wrestled once this year with Foster getting the win. Uh, but this one's a toss-up, and, and, and clearly both of these guys will be uh, top contenders heading into the uh, cycle for Paris in 2024. And that's always the top-level athletes. As a matter of fact, Tokyo's coming up in some 34 days. Gary, are you making the trip to Tokyo this year? Yeah, I got a ticket two days ago, so nice. I'll be part of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic media staff. And, you know, it, it will be an experience. It's going to be a different <laughs> games because of some of the uh, safety protocols sure. and things like that. But the wrestling competition is going to be spectacular. Oh, it's going to be incredible. And our Team USA athletes are seemingly set. Uh, to enjoy great success over there. It's going to be hard work, surely, on the international front. But uh, I don't believe there are teams, both men's and women's freestyle and, and Greco, uh, to be added into the bunch that have performed any better on the world stage up to this point. Now, men's freestyle for this match set to go tonight for the FCA. Two guys uh, that I've become friends with, Ty Walls, former uh, Virginia Tech All-American, and then big Dom Bradley, uh, former NCAA champ, I think. was no, Yeah, junior world champ, rather. I'm sorry, junior world champ, Don Bradley, uh, U.S. senior national title holder as well. This is going to be a great matchup because you don't see heavies that can go as quickly as these two guys can. Yeah, Bradley's always been really active as a heavyweight, a real good skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrestled internationally in 97 kilos, although he was a college heavyweight, and... Uh, Walls mostly has been wrestling 97 until this year at the senior nationals uh, uh, this spring. He went up to 125 kilos, which is the heaviest weight. So once um, you know, Bradley won a two-to-one decision, but uh, both these guys can score points, and uh, I'm thinking this time we'll see even more points than the last time they wrestled. Uh, Walls, I don't know if he's committed to staying up for the rest of his career, but that's his weight class right now. And, uh, yeah, he's going to take it hard to Bradley, who's about as experienced a guy as we have. Men's freestyle also, Jay Aiello, Rocky Elam. Talk to us about this. It's rather intriguing, to use your term, intriguing battle between some young stars, comparatively speaking. Yeah, well, I mean, Rocky Elam is is a freshman. He was third in the NCAA tournament. Uh, We saw him. He was the training uh, with the EAP program at Colorado Springs while he was still in high school. Wow. Uh, definitely something he's good at, and he got better at uh, when he was out here in Colorado Springs. But um said, Aiello's got himself a real great opportunity this year. He's made a U23 world team, and, uh, you know, both these guys are going to wrestle for us this summer uh, in fall when uh, uh, Rocky Elam goes to the junior world. So, This is a great matchup, and it's also going to help both of them uh, prepare uh, for the world championships. Not only uh, a good pairing of young stars, but also uh, getting another good match for them will help them when they wrestle the Russians and Iranians and and all those tough international guys later in the year. We can't prepare hard enough to face the Russians and Iranians because those are two of the world powers, but you add in Team USA Team USA has earned its rightful place as a world power in men's freestyle, women's freestyle, and now even Greco-Roman. I love that. It's a brand new 
incredible athlete that we're seeing now competing on behalf of Team USA. We go to uh, women's freestyle on the very uh, eve of Shadron State saying, hey, we're going to add women's varsity team. you got great athletes like Lauren Louise and, and Brenda Reyna that are scheduled to go in this FCA bout. This is a neat battle between uh, a, a crafty veteran and Louise and one of the top young talents on the women's scene. Talk to us about Reyna and Louise. Well, I've always been a big fan of Lauren Louise. She's really been a successful athlete, but, you know, she's been a leader. And, yep. and she really, she's a wrestling junkie. She loves it. <laughs> and she's had some success in recent years. Um, and, and part of that is because uh, she's been willing to uh, move around and train in different settings right. and, and take chances. And, and I think someday she'll be a spectacular coach uh, when that's going to be her focus. So. Uh, she's a good person and a, and, and a talented wrestler. Brenda Reyna is one of those young stars that we've been developing through our age group and college programs. Who, you know, college national champion at the NCAA level last year and been on the junior world team. So they are, they are all very, very good athletes. And, and uh, you know, you don't know how that one's going to sort out, to right. be honest. Right. Well, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to slight Brenda. Okay. Not going to do that. I wouldn't cite any of our athletes. But I will say that Lauren Louise is perhaps the best prepared and it and seemingly one of the happiest people on Team USA. She is out there on social media. She interacts with the fans of the sport. She's very approachable. She's very likable. And she's crafty. Yeah, I mean, Lauren can pull a move on you. And we've seen it in some pretty big events where – you know, it's a close battle, and then she pops a pin somewhere or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you have athletes who never uh, are out of any match or have the ability to finish it quick. Uh, you know, this one will be fun. But I, I think a lot of the reason that this card's exciting is because they showcase all three of the styles, right? Men's freestyle, women's freestyle, and Greco. And, and we love that kind of promotion for our sport. Yeah, boy. Now, it, you know, we're... Uh, adding women's varsity wrestling, right? Um, we're seeing a, about a program a week or every two weeks being added across the country. You and I both knew that this would come and it needed to. Uh, you've got to be at some point pleased with the progress we've made if only 10 years too, I don't want to say too late, but it could have happened 10 years ago. It just needed the right place, the right time. I think we've hit stride for women's programs at some point to start challenging uh, for that NCAA recognition they so desperately seek. But don't you agree that once it hits that point, there shouldn't be a university or a college in this country under NCAA rules that will not add wrestling? In other words, they should they should all add it because it's not only affordable, but it adds opportunities on those campuses for women who are exceedingly uh, driven academically and athletically. This standing opportunity, I said it in the first hour, this is like the dawning of the age of Aquarius as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, women's wrestling is exploding nationally at a level. College is pretty exciting to me because we, we've been doing it for 2020, slowly building, and in the last years, uh, it's really taken off. So you've got an official NAIA uh, event uh, with it. Currently, it's emerging sports status, so it's not an official championship, but uh, we're going to be over 40 NCAA teams this year, and, and that's the level that you have to have in order to get the 
improve your tournament. So we're, we're a year or two away from that. And, uh, you know, every year goes by, there are more and more teams at every level of wrestling. Uh, we had our first junior college tournament for the women this year as well. So uh, these kids that are wrestling on the youth and high school levels, they want to wrestle in college. And uh, we're going to continue to grow the sport, and the college divisions are going to get stronger and uh, more opportunity will be out there. And uh, a lot of young women are going to get great educations while they get to wrestle in college. So it's something we're all proud of, but we know there's a lot of possibilities. We're going to keep pushing for it. Now, does Patricia have any eligibility left at all? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that, uh, <laughs> you know, NAIA apparently you can be pretty old and then compete. So we might have to see if she wants to do that. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly wasn't available for a lot of the people that might be listening, but I think those high school and youth wrestlers right now have an expectation uh, that they have uh, college opportunities, and we're going to continue to try to get them uh, that opportunity. We're talking with Gary Abbott. When we return after this short timeout, we'll talk about the final match of the FCA event. It'll be Greco. We'll talk about Rao and Woods. That's up after the break. You're listening to USA Takedown. Gary Abbott, our guest. USA Takedown only on ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. More coverage of wrestling and MMA continues after this timeout here on USA Takedown only on 1350 ESPN. Des Moines Sports Leader. Very good. Gary Jones at the helm of the mothership here on USA Takedown ESPN Radio out of Des Moines, Iowa. Appreciate you listening to us as we come to you from the home of ESPN in Des Moines, Iowa. It's 1350 ESPN. All right. Uh, Gary Abbott is our guest. He's the Director of Communications and Special Projects for USA Wrestling. And it has to be a special project if Gary Abbott is attached to it. Gary, welcome back. Thanks, Scott. There we go. Um, so we're talking a little bit about the FCA Truth and Technique for card, which is free for fans to enjoy uh, this evening. Now, you've got the final bout that we have yet to talk about, and that's Greco. I alluded to the fact that Matt Lindland's Greco squad is getting better every single day, achieving uh, greatness around the world, and it's fun to watch these guys grow. Yeah, it's, it's a American we have some great young talent right now. Joe Rao is set to take on Spencer Woods. They call him the plow, Joe Rao. Uh, he's got as much international experience as anybody in my estimation. But uh, you take a look at the, the competition he's faced. He's made two senior world teams and won a number of Pan American Championship medals. Important. These are important steps. Confidence resides in those championship medals no matter the event. But all championship medals seem to point toward, in this case, 2020, excuse me, 21 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. You're going to be there. Joe Rao, et cetera. So talk to us a little bit about the Pan Am guys compete in, because for many of them, that's another honor to be able to travel on behalf of Team USA. But it's an important event for a lot of reasons. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's our country. Right? And the United States, um, it's really our mission to be the best team in the world but also in, in our backyard so uh, pan am championships and pan am games uh at every level uh is is important to usa wrestling and to the u.s olympic and paralympic committee 
and then the U.S. is very strong at it. Joe's won some titles at the Pan Am level. He qualified us for the Olympic Games at his weight class, but was beaten out for the spot by John Stefanowicz. But Joe's exciting. He's fun. He's got great talent, uh, and he's going to put on a great show. Uh, clearly, his opponent is one of those young studs that are moving their way up, uh, a senior national champion now, and, and he's going to be a difference moving forward. Uh, Spencer Woods, who was really uh, showed a lot of potential when he wrestled in northern Michigan, but he's now with the WCAP program, and, and a lot of those guys, once they get into the WCAP and focus completely on, on their international careers, are able to even make more progress. So uh, I don't know how this will uh, sort out, right? Right. Because uh, both of these guys can score points, uh, especially Rao. And so they might really give of some of the cool things about Greco. Mm-hmm. And that's a flurry. I love that. Um, it's been recently released that North Korea had to withdraw from the Olympics, right? So that moves Ecuador and Romania into automatic Olympic bursts. This has an effect on wrestling. It's a ripple effect, okay? Uh, I think it's interesting to see that it wasn't politics this time, but in fact it was the health of the athletes n- due to North Korea's Olympic qualification allocations at both 53 and 62 uh, women's wrestling has to reassign um, different athletes in different countries into those positions. How does that happen? Well, North Korea is not sending any athletes. Uh, they made a, a decision internationally uh, that they weren't going to go to Tokyo. and uh, So that's completely a government decision. It is a government it's decision. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not our, it's North Korea, right? Mm-hmm. So they decided not to go, and then, Obviously, North Korea is excellent at wrestling. One of the aren't getting to go is was a world champion in 2019. So uh, that that's not good for any sport to have some of your top athletes not participate. But I mean, it opens up two more opportunities. Uh, Ecuador is one of the countries in our continent. Uh, we have really pretty strong women's wrestling in North and South America. So another one of uh our continental athletes will be able to wrestle in the Olympics. And, mm-hmm. and that's good. That'll help develop Ecuador to have more Olympians, right? Um, so, yeah, it's what it is, right? Uh, I don't think any other countries skip in Tokyo except for North Korea. Right. And it did affect wrestling. And anyway, Russia leads all nations with 17 Olympic qualifying of the weight classes, right? So Russia has a full six-athlete team in men's, women's freestyle, plus five in the Greco style. Um that doesn't make it easy for the United States with 15 qualifiers in uh, in the in different. Talk to us about that imbalance because some people would think that would be unfair going into it, but you have to qualify your way, right? Yeah, that, well, the Olympics is like an all-star event. It's not like a world championships where everyone can come. So it, only 16 athletes are in each weight class. It's one of the more restrictive events on earth, right? right. Uh, so you, the hardest part about being in the Olympics and winning a medal is getting into the Olympics. Numerous world and Olympic medalists did not qualify for Tokyo. Isn't that amazing? So the U.S., but we have 15, yes, but we only had 14 in Rio. So our team ha- has more participants than we had in the last Olympics. And Russia has 17, but, uh, you know, they traditionally have the capability of bringing a full team. So it just shows that competitive wrestling is internationally 
And really, whether you have 15 or 17, the key for an Olympic Games is cashing in and getting medals. And we have numerous medal hopefuls, specifically in men and women's freestyle. But also, you know, we could get a breakthrough on one of our four Greco guys and make, make, make an impact. So, you know, we'll take on Russia anytime, anywhere. Olympics, you know, you have to beat the other 15 athletes right. in the weight class. So individually, each of our wrestlers are going to need to um, step up and, and, and try to get on the podium. And, uh, you know, Russia is always going to be the probably the toughest nation we face uh, overall in wrestling, and, and they're going to have a good team. Talk to us about Cuba. Cuba is the only nation with a full six-athlete team in Greco. Um, that's something to hang your hat on, but in a typically uh, communist uh, or socialist country like Cuba, the repression uh, uh, that is experienced by the populace perhaps is different than that which is experienced by the athlete. The athlete is highly revered in Cuba, and the wrestlers coming out of Cuba to compete on the international level are obviously exceedingly well-trained. Yeah, Cuba has a long tradition in wrestling. Uh, you know, both Greco and men's freestyle, and they've developed some pretty good individuals in women's freestyle. Uh, but Greco has always been uh, the style where we have to really scrap and uh, there have been times we've been better than the Cuban team, other times where Cuba has taken it to the Americans. But um, it's good for us to have a strong Greco nation in our continent. And Cuba has always been that nation for our Greco program. So, yeah, they'll have six athletes. And, you know, their job will be the same as ours to get on the podium. We always have uh, well-prepared athletes that are usually very uh, athletically talented, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, when you wrestle a Cuban athlete, you know you're going to wrestle a, a tough, uh, talented athlete. And, yeah, again, Cuba wrestling the United States is good for both countries. And, you know, uh, we're going to want the United States to give 15 medals. But uh, it'd be cool if some of our other continental uh, countries play uh, in all of our levels of Pan-American uh, tournaments also have some success there. And that's important to note. Um, wrestling is, I think, one of the most uh, diverse of sports. Uh, there are 63 different nations which have qualified at least one athlete to compete in Tokyo. Can you talk to us about that? Because I think it's getting better on the international scene. Well, I mean, it's one of the reasons why when the IOC recommended taking wrestling out of the Olympic movement, um, we were able to remain an Olympic sport and grow from there. Uh, there are so many countries that have wrestling. Uh, wrestling is available anywhere because it's not expensive, right? So whether you're a rich country or a country, you know, this sport can and will be uh, a part of your culture. Um, and, you know, traditionally people understand the Europeans are really good at wrestling, but there's nations and we've developed a a pretty uh, impressive group of individuals coming out of our uh, hemisphere. and uh, So, yeah, and, and one of the things that wrestling takes pride in, you are a strong wrestler and you put in the hard work and, and you get the correct training. doesn't matter what country you're in. It's an individual sport. Right. So, you know, when you get to the world and Olympic level, you've got to take every one of those athletes seriously. And, uh, you know, it'll be neat. See what 
countries are able to win a medal in, in Tokyo with it traditionally aren't considered wrestling powers. Mm. Uh, we've had some medalists recently uh, from some African countries. And, you know, that's, again, good for wrestling and, and good for international sport when there's a lot of participation. And lots and lots of storylines for Gary Abbott. Gary, i got to ask you what you know about uh, uh, the uh, Team Kalika, who's long associated with Helen, long associated with uh, VK. Um, but it's been news as of late that she would be leaving his coaching and uh, um, his camp uh, and seeking uh, education and training. Talk about that departure. Well, yeah, Helen hasn't wrestled uh, under Valentine for a while. And, you know, like athletes, uh, they're always looking for the best training situation for right. them. Uh, Helen's trained in a number of different locations during this Olympic cycle um you know she's always looking for that edge like every other athlete so uh helen had some great coaches uh supporting her right now and, and you know that'll help make a difference in how she does in tokyo yeah um but you know a good thing about wrestling right now is with the growth of the regional training centers and the additional investment that people are putting into the elite athletes mm-hmm. that, that our athletes are having more options and ultimately, when they have a training situation, they're going to do better uh, on the mat. So, I mean, Helen's one of the great in, in U.S. wrestling history. And, and she has an opportunity to add to that legacy. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how she does in Tokyo. Uh, when Helen's wrestling well, uh, there are very few athletes that can even uh, be compared to her ability. And same with, same with Adeline Gray, by the way. About a minute left, Gary. I want to thank you, Patricia. Again, congratulations on uh, being recognized by the National Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame in uh, Stillwater and also the branch in Waterloo as well, the Gable Museum. Uh, it's very important that we hold up uh, people in our sport that are doing good things, and you've been doing them for so long, Gary. I admire the heck out of you. I only ask that you continue. This sport would be far less without your presence. I appreciate your input today on the program. Your opinions do matter to me, and I'm sure to the balance of the wrestling public. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Scott. It's, it's an exciting time, and I still love what I do, and I sure appreciate all my friends and colleagues out there across the country, and especially in Iowa, that put the time in to make our sport better. Hey, we do it because we love it, brother. You know that. I'm with you 100% of the way. Gary Abbott, thank you so much for being our Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline final guest of the show. Excellent. We'll chat with you guys another time. All right. God bless. There we go. One of the best. Boston University proud. Yeah, that's our buddy, and we appreciate that. Next week, guests on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline include Alex Pantaleo, Travis Dvorak, Bruce Burnett, Joey Krebs, and more. We're going to talk uh, next week a little bit more about um, West Coast wrestling. Why California is on the rise yet again, even in that economy in California. All right. We'll be back next week. Same time, same station. We thank you for listening. On behalf of Kira Jones, I'm Scott Casper. You have a great rest of your Friday. We'll talk to you next week.